Hi, I'm Claire. And I'm Tony. And this is PodMed Trending. So the article for today is called A Mutation Creating a Potential Illegitimate MicroRNA Target Site in the Myostatin Gene Affects Muscularity in Sheep. (laughs) (laughs) Oh my. Okay, so first of all, you said, oh God, what was it? Like the third word? Creating a potential illegitimate. Yeah, the second you said illegitimate, I thought we were going down like a like a Mari like you are not the father situation, but I really jumped the gun on that one. <laughs> you are not the microRNA binding site, <laughs> uh, unless you are. Um, oh God! Oh, okay. microRNA is my bread and butter. <laughs> I I know, so I might get some things wrong, and you might have to correct me. But here we go. It's, it's we're getting also into agricultural science a little bit, but mm. I think we'll loop around to some familiar topics. Really going back to the, my roots down in Tennessee, the agricultural science capital of the world. I'm uh, making that claim, okay. though it's probably not true. <laughs> All right. So we're talking about muscularity in sheep and microRNA. Right. So what really, I like saw this article on, Pub, on PubMed, excuse me, <laughs> and <laughs> what really drew me in was, so I was like kind of a weird title, microRNA binding site, and the first line was just textile sheep are a breed of sheep renowned for their exceptional meatiness. I was like, okay, this is it. I might, be jumping, I might be jumping the gun on this question, so I apologize if it's going to be just explained later. But does muscularity in sheep really matter? Okay, interesting question. Can we loop, yeah, can we we loop can, back we, into that? Maybe okay. that's just for something to keep in mind for later. But yes, yes continue. This, we'll, we'll definitely circle back. So this one breed of sheep is exceptionally meaty, in their words, in other words. But why? Same. So um, they, what they did is they're like, let's find some genetic regions by crossing these meaty sheep with not meaty sheep, just normal, average, everyday sheep. By crossing them for a few generations, they could say like they know the parents, so they know like what percent sheep they are. And if they find a sheep that is like that percent, has that percent of the genome and has like they could oh, find. Oh yeah, really some old school yes. like genetic Yeah, like this there. is like Mendel is... pea plant yeah, crossing. This is stuff that's been done for decades. Plus sequencing. And yeah, well, I would assume. Various other stuff. But yeah, it's, it's just classic, you know, crossing. Within the meaty textile sheep, there's a hyper-muscled Belgian strain. And they chose that because they wanted the meatiest, muscliest sheep. All right. To find the most, the biggest difference. Right, which so actually, anyone who's obsessed with meaty sheep, I guess he's got to head out to Belgium. Uh, apparently. So, unfortunately, <laughs> our viewers can't enjoy, but Tony, for your reference, oh, I pulled up a few images. So, this oh, is no. like a standard, this is like a standard sheep. Oh, for a second, I was going to be like, wow, that's a meaty sheep. But if that's normal, yeah. I really don't this know is, what okay. I want to see. Just you wait. Okay. Oh, no. Now I'm pulling up the picture of the textile sheep. I couldn't find one specific for the Belgian breed, but like, this is. It's all like tanks. <laughs> I'm not gonna lie, it looks like the most horrifying cross between, like, a pit bull yeah. and a sheep. Yeah. Like, I don't know any like other ways to describe it. their necks are so big. Yeah, it's so weird. Yeah. So I'm not gonna lie, I feel like unless I saw them side by side, I wouldn't be like, oh yeah, that's a me-. I mean, it's a large, meaty-looking sheep, but I don't know. Maybe I don't I'm think just, I'd like, ever... I'm not appreciating how yeah. meaty it is based on those pictures. True. But... It's, you know, 2D, and, like, I don't know if I'd ever, True. like, look across a sheep and be like so curious about why it's so meaty that I designed a study, but no. someone did. So what they, so they crossed for a few generations, these sheep, and then they measured all these different things, um, like muscle mass, the amount of fat deposition, the body composition, muscle-related 
things. And then, you know, they genotyped um, animals and all that. And then so they wanted to basically look for regions of the genome that were associated with sheep that had more muscles. Makes sense. And they did that by math. Um, there were equations in the, if you want to look out, we'll put, of course, put the citation in the description. There were some equations. Was it looking were... at like, um, I'm, I'm thinking about like those typical like equations you do in like genomics, like, um, linkage yeah, so and things it, like that. Um, so they're looking for quantitative trait loci. Okay. Yeah. So, um, a region of DNA. TTL. Yeah, exactly. Region of DNA that's associated with a trait. I definitely should have realized what that was because I literally had an exam on it in December. Right. Really some old school genetics yes. here. Yes, yes. Okay, so they did math, 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 and they're like, oh, okay, the muscle phenotype is related to this region in chromosome 2. Great. So they hypothesized that due to this kind of selection pressure to get muscly sheep, that the <clears throat> meatiest sheep would be homozygous for whatever gene that made them muscly. Makes um, sense. So, a solid assumption. Yeah. So they're like chromosome two. It's something that all the muscly sheep and the the, the tech cells should be homozygous for. The um, regular old sheep. I think they're called the Romanov sheep. The you know weakly. the dead Roman uh, the dead Russian family. Uh, I mean that's what the brand or not brand <laughs> breed <laughs> breed of sheep or is brand strain. Maybe I mean it could be trademarked. Who knows? And so they hypothesize that you know. It would be homozygous in the textile meaty sheep and then not in the controls. And so they found this, like within chromosome two, they found this region, sorry, that was in 94% of the textiles and only 12% of the controls. So like a lot more in the meaty yeah. sheep. Yeah. And then they're looking around this like narrow region and right around there is the myostatin gene, which I don't know if this is just in sheep or people too, is also called GDF8. Okay. Have you heard of this gene or? No, but I'm just saying, okay, like... Oh, okay, okay. <laughs> I, uh, I, you yeah, said it with an air of familiarity. I, I, well, I say all things with an air of familiarity in case someone assumes <laughs> that I'm smart enough to know what it is. <laughs> <laughs> Not that we cleared the air. So, the, like, this basically popped up as a candidate right away. Oh, yeah, like, it's definitely myostatin. So let's talk a little bit about what myostatin is, or I will also call it GDF8, because that's another name for it. So when you think of a statin, you think of something that stops statins stop cholesterol yeah stuff um, literally is exactly what my mind like, went to at first i was like ah yes. <laughs> cholesterol drugs there's growth hormone that makes you grow somatostatin is the opposite it will yep. stop that and so uh it's a gene when it functions normally to stop so when you like myostatin myo muscle statin stop muscle stop yeah so it's normally like a breaks on muscle growth and but that was a gene that was seen most commonly in the textiles of the meaty sheep. Okay, the, the gene was present. They found a marker that was like different in this, in this like oh, gotcha. for, for being linked. Gotcha, gotcha, gotcha. They, they found it linked. And so GDF8 loss of function causes double muscling in mice, cattle, and humans. Oh my god. Double, I was like, what is double muscling? So they cited like a case study for the human because I wanted to look at, you know, in people loss of function you kind of lose that stop sign on muscle growth and you just get proliferation of muscles i guess makes sense well is it proliferation or is it or, hypertrophy because there is yes, a difference yes 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 so um they don't actually get into that so you know muscles are a permanent tissue like 
neurons in the brain, which is why if you get a heart attack or a stroke, it's really hard to recover from because new cells can't proliferate and, you know, repair that. Whereas like if you cut your skin or something, it's not like that cut's going to be there forever, right? You know, you can, yeah. so permanent tissue. So this is something that's expressed like in skeletal muscle throughout life. So, you know, it's one thing if you, if you probably knocked it down when you're an adult or something, you wouldn't be able to see proliferation, you'd see hypertrophy, but this is something that during development during, during development is there. It so, gets activated to yes facilitate the Hyper- inhibition of the development of the muscular yes. system. Yes, okay. yes. They didn't really get into that in this article so much about why, like the mechanism, gotcha. but like... Solid, a solid yes, assumption. Yes. Okay. So this qualitative trait uh, locus maps to the region that was surrounding this myostatin gene, so they're like, okay, come on, this is, this is it. And so they're like, let's sequence the coding region of GDF8 in the textiles and in the Roman, Romanov sheep. And then they also threw in some other breeds just for fun, the Dorset sheep and the, I'm going to say this wrong, Tarasconias sheep. <laughs> well, I mean, when in Rome, might as well just do them all. Yeah, right? When <laughs> <laughs> in Romanov. Um, exactly. <laughs> so they sequence all the coding regions and no changes. Interesting. Yes. It, very interesting. So like, hmm, what, you know, what could it be? Um, maybe like a splice light was changed and there's like a different, you know, whatever. Yeah, like a truncated form of the protein sure, sure. or like, like some sure. kind of like, yeah. So they're like, okay, let's look at the RNA length. Maybe it's alternatively spliced. RNA is the same size. Interesting. Interesting. Maybe it's, maybe there's like, oh, it's like there's some sort of stability change. So it's expressed, the RNA is expressed at a different level. They did a quantitative RT-PCR to, you know, make cDNA from the RNA. Not significantly different. They're like scratching their heads, right? They're, there's big truncating mutation or big changes right. in RNA levels. And then in comes my favorite genetic material, the microRNA. Dun, dun, dun. <laughs> <laughs> okay, and correct me if I'm wrong. You, when you when you read things and then you like never say them out loud, you don't necessarily know how to pronounce them, but they're kind of mirror one, yeah, two, three, so, right? Not M-I-R, one, two, three. Yeah, that is correct. You, they're usually, not to interrupt on your presentation, but they're usually, um, the way that they're written or described is... Uh, you have a three-letter uh, sequence at the very beginning. Uh, they don't always write that in articles, but it usually mm-hmm. designates like what organism the microRNA was first described in. So for humans, that's like HSA. For mice, that's going to be MUS. For sheep, I believe it's actually RUS, but I'm not 100% sure on that. They, they didn't add the letters. Yeah, and then so... you have like a hyphen, and then you have the designation for a microRNA, which is lowercase m, lowercase i, uppercase r, which is pronounced as mir, and then you have a hyphen, and then the numerical or um, whatever designating a sequence number that they prescribe to it. Um, they're usually a, a, a series of <laughs> numbers and letters for some reason, so the most commonly studied one is really like mir21-5p, um, and then the first one that was ever like really fully described and studied was uh, let seven, um, but that's neither here nor there. Sorry, continue. No, no, no. So I just want to make sure I didn't sound like a goon. No, yes, it's um, it's mere. It's mere. Okay. <laughs> so they were looking through the genome, couldn't find any differences. So they're like, all right, let's sequence not just the coding region, but all of the DNA around this gene for the tech cells and these other breeds. And then one thing that was like separate from what they were looking for, but interesting, is they found a lot of single nucleotide polymorphisms or SNPs within breeds in other breeds, but not the tech cells. Meaning that it was okay for the other breeds to have like variation, like it didn't really matter. 
but this gene was so strongly selected for in the text cells that they had almost no SNPs within the text cell group. Is that for the exon region or for the entire for RNA the, sequence? The entire, they sequenced the... So this was like whole genome sequencing? For, uh, targeted for that, for that region. region. Oh, interesting. Like, there was like no SNPs. That's really a level of conservation that you don't see very often. Yeah, so this was like so strong, like the selection pressure was so strong for this meatiness, extreme meatiness. Yeah. And so found like three, so that was within breed, but then between breed, looking for what that muscle phenotype is, they, there was a few candidates, but they, you know, used some like modeling and math and they narrowed it down, <laughs> narrowed it down to the one. The favorite I, explanation? Yes, math. Math, just math. <laughs> Basic arithmetic. Yeah. <laughs> and so they they found a snip in the my favorite RNA thing, the three prime UTR. Oh, so, God. <laughs> <laughs> so the three prime UTR untranslated region is just like the little bit that's just hanging out at the end of the RNA that is untranslated, like the name implies. And so this was a G to A. The Texel allele was had a frequency of ninety-nine percent in Texels and only 1% in the control sheep. So, so like, the the trans the replacement of G to A yes, was, was seen 99% of the time in, in the, the, the textiles. Text yeah. Okay. So they're like, okay, what does this G to A and the 3 prime UTR mean? It could have a lot of implications on the RNA biology of this gene. I mean, obviously. <laughs> and so they did some more modeling and analysis <laughs> and wasn't there with if it's G, but is there it's A. That's really interesting because... I mean, not again to interrupt, but like microRNAs are really short, and so mm -hmm. they're kind of indiscriminatory when it comes to binding sites. They bind to multiple protein regions. Mm -hmm. And so they're saying that there's like this like kind of repeated motif that is like ah, okay. a, like an microRNA like ooh like stru like a structural thing, not just primary structure, but maybe like secondary structure. Yeah, you know. So primary being the sequence, secondary being like the RNA can like yeah. form all these different yeah. shapes. Yeah, and I'll check but i think it has to do with the general availability I mean, yeah I, I mean also like gc content is really important when it comes yeah. especially to like microRNA binding yeah um because again the sequences are so small so even like with one mm -hmm. if you have just like a small segment of the sequence that it's complementary to mm -hmm. the microRNA, it's gonna bind really strongly yeah but yeah sorry continue yeah yeah so so they have this novel microRNA targeting site and they do some, you know, database searches, I presume, and they found that three microRNAs can target that site. MIR1, MIR206, and MIR122A. And they are found in humans and in sheep, but only two of them, the first two, MIR1 and MIR206, are strongly expressed in skeletal muscle. The other one is mainly in the liver, so they're like, and eh, it's probably not that one. Probably not because their myostatin is predominantly expressed in skeletal muscle. Yeah. Well, they, I don't know. I don't mean to, like, harp on this, but they are kind of jumping the gun on that one because, like, microRNAs, their sequencing is a little unusual compared to, like, messenger RNA for, like, proteins. So they could, in, like, a microRNA that's expressed in a different region of the chromosome or even a different chromosome, and just because of that unique binding site that's seen in the textile sheet but not in the other like strains of sheep mm -hmm. that produce microRNA to bind and inhibit the the protein formation so are you saying that even if it's not there in skeletal muscle if there's a, a i'm saying it doesn't have to be uniquely seen in skeletal muscle 
I mean, like... Oh, I think it just was not seen in Skeleton Muscle. Oh, like it wasn't... Exp- yeah. Oh, okay. It was expressed in the liver. But not in Skeleton but Muscle. But not in Skeleton Muscle. Okay, I misunderstood. Okay. That. My apologies. <laughs> I was about to get really confused. <laughs> <laughs> um, okay, so they hypothesized that you get this... So microRNAs, and, you know, Tony, correct me if I'm wrong, but they are little, you know, sequences of RNA that bind to your messenger RNA, which is creating the template to make your protein. And when you get this double-stranded RNA, that's not good. And so the cell targets it for degradation, so you don't get production of the product. Yeah, that's the most common way that they function. Side note is that depending on actually the location that they bind to on the messenger RNA... It could could, just stop translation. It could actually just physically inhibit the processing of ribosomes down the messenger RNA. I would guess this That's usually on the three prime which is a little unusual. Wait, why would the three prime end... Excuse me, the, the five prime end. Okay, okay, okay. Um, yeah, but, so like, that me- method of inhibition is a little bit... Not controversial, but just less, less commonly okay. seen. And this is on the three prime, so it's probably degraded. Most likely, yeah. Okay. So, their hypothesis is that you get this microRNA targeting site, microRNA binds to the myostatin RNA, and then you lose myostatin expression so you don't have this stop sign anymore you lose your kind of slowing down of muscle growth and you just got uncontrolled muscle growth so that's our hypothesis they looked at the serum because apparently like during exercise i don't know you release like stuff into the blood um, true <laughs> um, as we mentioned in a previous episode yep. yes Stuff that is true during exercise <laughs> so you know there could be some myostatin deposited in the serum so they just took serum samples from these sheep and circulating levels of myostatin in tech cells were the third the levels of myostatin in normal sheep oh wow so they had a third of the amount of this stop sign for muscle growth that's a pretty significant reduction yeah due to this microRNA targeting, but showing that this myostatin gene, like the, the qualitative trait locus map, like it's probably like they're on the right track. Yeah. Um, so they wanted to see, you know, does this uh, MIR1 or MIR206, like the two hypothesized microRNAs, do they bind to myostatin in real life? Yeah. So. A common next thought. Right, right. And so what they did is some in vitro studies using a luciferase reporter. So that's just kind of a dye, basically. Yeah. And so they um, put it on myostatin, the myostatin, sorry, 3' UTR, and co-transfected with either the MIR1, MIR206, or, you know, controls, and found a significant decrease in luminescence when they co-transfected the myostatin with the MIRs that they hypothesized were targeted. Yeah, so both 1 and 206. Yes, yes. Do they end up doing both of them together? Because a lot of microRNAs mm. have pretty low levels of expression. And so one of the reasons they function so well is, again, because they are kind of indiscriminate in their targeting. So it would be much more likely to see like the suppression of myostatin with, from both 1 and 206 if they both bind to this region. Yeah. And well, that, that, that's a great point i think there are there you know still i don't know how the sheep physiology research industry is like what what kind of funding resources look like but i think there are anything like all the other (laughs) areas of research it's probably slim yeah 
technically, I mean, they're not showing the, that they're directly binding. Yeah. They're showing that it reduces. And, you know, I didn't look in the methods section to see, like, the levels that they transfected. That, you know, I could have looked at, but I did yeah, not. That's but true. to see if it's physiological. Because if they're, like, you know, I bet if you pounded, like, any microRNA in there, like, it's, you know, well, some... Would... I mean, no, but, I no? mean, it, yeah, if, if you just, trans like, transfected any old microRNA into it, it wouldn't necessarily result in a reduction. But... You are you are right in thinking that if they have really elevated like above physiological levels mm -hmm. of that microRNA, it'll be a meaningless result. Yeah, because you like wouldn't it's never, see that yeah. endogenously. Yeah, and they also what I thought would have been a nice compliment would be to do the same experiment with the Romanov sheep because that shouldn't have the splice site. True. Should have yeah, no. Yeah, that would have acted as a really nice yeah. Like, in, again, endogenous control that yeah. it shouldn't have bound to that region. Yeah, but that's just me. <laughs> not, not that we're experts, um, <laughs> but we're not. But um, this is actually closer to my field. I know, like, what am I else. doing? I don't know anything about sheep and microRNA. I just thought it was funny. <laughs> and so, and they also didn't show direct binding either. So I'm like, is there some like RNA crosslinking you could do to like, and then mm -hmm. precipitate them out? Like, I mean, there's actually not like um, the, not to like, rain in my make, brain. Yeah, or to like make this extra complicated, but. it's there aren't like a huge number of like experiments specifically for microRNAs or like their binding. You so just assume if there's a functional difference that they're actually doing what you think. That's they're doing. typically how it's shown okay. in literature is that if you show a change in the synthesized protein, mm. you have a pretty strong indication that that microRNA binds to that, or you do some kind of like phenotypic change. Um, so a lot of microRNA studies are also done like in the nervous system mm -hmm. and like uh, neuronal cells. So they look at like nice. changes in like bifurcation or axon length and nice. that's a pretty regulated process yep. so they know that if you add this and this doesn't work then you're like oh you're targeting something in these pathways yeah okay so, so it's it's there are some like computational ways to predict targets but again yeah. not to like keep harping on this fact microRNAs target multiple sequences so you get a list of things, and if it's listed on there, you're like, cool, that's definitely what it is. Just ignoring <laughs> nice. all the other 40 hits. Just putting the blinders on. Yeah. And so th there were some studies showing the total, like, loss of function of the myostatin gene causing this double muscling. But they're like, could there be just, like, SNPs in the myostatin gene that, like, you know, some people are just stronger than others? And so they looked through databases for these Texel-like SNPs which would create um, these legitimate target sites. And they, yeah, they found, they're like, yep, we found them. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I think databases, they don't have- Unshocked results. Right, they don't have necessarily like the phenotypic data to like put together, like was that person. But it'd be yeah. interesting, like if like, hey, be, yeah. like go to a bodybuilder convention and say, hey. Like how many of these people have yeah, <laughs> like a, a SNP in this three UTR? Exactly, exactly. Yeah, so kind of like a little bit going back to like the doping you were talking about last time, you know, like, do you think anyone would ever use this gene therapy to like, you know, not that I'm saying it would be good. This is not medical advice. Yeah. Um, Again, I'm not medical like, advice. <laughs> disclaimer. <laughs> disclaimer. Uh, don't, don't do it. Don't use CRISPR on yourself to, <laughs> to insert but like, this. But like, could they, could they, like, what if they injected themselves with this microRNA? I mean, that's a great question. I mean, like... Or, or like, your cachexia and cancer, or, like, yeah. muscle wasting syndromes. Like, could you give them this microRNA to, like, beef them That's up? a... I mean, that's a great question. Um, I know there's, like, a lot of studies, actually, that have been conducted 
in mouse models and in cells to show that like treatment of these cells with certain microRNAs mm -hmm. could reduce like cell proliferation or change cell function. Mm -hmm. That's actually a really common area of study in microRNAs. A lab up in MIT actually kind of designed like the first uh, like lipid based uh, like delivery system for microRNAs okay, okay. like into like animal models as mm -hmm. opposed to just like trying to transfect cells mm -hmm. in a dish mm -hmm. um so much more towards like a potential therapeutic sure. avenue the difficulty with it is that there's just like a whole lot not fully mm -hmm. known about microRNAs so it's like what are you injecting yourself with what do you inject yourself with? How do they function in like different pathways? How do they function in different cells? Or if it's like delivered to the cell, does the cell go just go like, I didn't make that and just degrade it right away? Well, I can tell you right now that it doesn't do that. Okay. But well, <laughs> <laughs> I can tell you from experience it does not do that. Um, but I mean, the other questions, of course, is just like, again, these microRNAs typically work in pairs or in groups together mm -hmm. to like target similar pathways. So it's not really just like one microRNA Teamwork. unless you like really overexpress it um, above like physiological levels that you could see these like really robust changes. So it's like at that point, you're getting into really complex molecular systems yeah. in order to try to change something when it's easier, really. And I don't, I don't mean to say this to put it like a like kind of toss off the area of research I am in like it's easier sometimes to just target a like a receptor with a drug like it's just a little bit easier huh well going back to like maybe in people like we don't know the ramifications but like what if you're trying to like make in vitro meat like you don't care about the you, you really know, don't know the you know, I wouldn't ethics about that so like people making like for to solve like food insecurity like yeah in vitro meat like couldn't you just or yeah. or like circling we're finally circling back to your first question like why are these sheep meaty like i don't know <laughs> um, the classic but, response yeah they're i think they're mainly I, are they I, like textile sheep is that like textile okay but are they used like for textiles oh, like, like for wool? yeah because my thought is like meteor sheep greater surface area more wool oh, okay i was thinking but like, i mean at that I point mean, like, like what's use, the level like of i don't use lambs for like food but do you use like adult sheep for food because then yeah. it'd be like more i would muscle. think so then it's just like more food per i mean yeah i guess sheep. i mean it's kind of like this this strain of uh rice that didn't fall uh into the or no excuse me grain um that didn't fall into i think it was developed in india you know what I'm talking about, right? Mm -hmm. It was a, a type of like, I'm almost certain it was like wheat that uh, when the the stalks were too long, uh -huh. the head of wheat was too heavy and it fell over uh -huh. and it got contaminated in like just dirt and mud uh -huh. and was eaten by animals. And so they developed a short stalk grain of, of wheat so that uh -huh. it improved wheat yield because they didn't have to toss out a bunch that was contaminated. Oh, okay. It improved like food yeah. <laughs> or, or like are they using these sheep like oxen to like pull things then you just have a stronger um <laughs> yeah, i don't know i'm not a i'm not a farmer i've I never mean, farmed i've never even mowed a lawn well okay um, <laughs> um with the blessed life what can i say my agricultural knowledge you know is limited in the uh, usage of uh sheep um as man as manual labor i yeah, guess I don't so know. so but yeah Maybe, I mean, there are for sure, like, horses and, like, oxen that are used for pulling heavy things. Like, yeah. could you give them, like... Yeah, and there's this... also, like, uh, oh, yeah, there's also that weird, like, giant cattle down in Australia. You know what I'm talking about. No, it's, no. like, it went viral on, like, Reddit, like, a while ago. Oh, the, wait, wait, wait. The wait. jacked, like, 
uh, oxen. Okay. That were just massive. Is that like the same okay. like situation here, okay. or is that something else? I, I was going to say like because we were talking, we've talked before. Like, why does this particular article trend at this particular time? This okay. This article was published in two thousand six, and oh I was like, God. why the hell is this trending now? It's a great question. So, like, <gasps> was it the same region? I, Reason, reason, not I, I, region. Sorry. Okay. Do you know? Can I like quick Google this? Um, what what Australian cow? It was like a giant. It was like a super muscular Australian cow. Cow. I think it was actually technically an an ox, but okay. Because there's Nickers definitely the cow. Why Australia's giant steer is so fascinating? But while while you're looking at that, I did have a question, and yeah. they they found like these different like this like change in the UTR region that resulted in like a unique microRNA binding site. But do they see like where the microRNA itself came from? Like do they, so microRNA transcription, as I mentioned earlier, is kind of strange. Um, sometimes they are in like non-coding regions of art, like DNA. So they don't, they're not associated with like, like a, an, a region of DNA that gets translated downstream into a protein sometimes they're like within the introns of mm -hmm. like messenger rna and so like during that processing in the nucleus they they get like excised from the messenger rna mm -hmm. and then they get processed into microRNA at that point oh some so of the introns are, become microRNA. yes mm -hmm. and so like i'm wondering like is this microRNA associated with the translation or the excuse me the transcription of myostatin because mm -hmm. that would be interesting if that was the case i I don't know because I wonder. I was wondering if they like during the processing of like their sequencing experiments, did they look to find out like where, like after they identify these microRNAs, did they try to find the processing or like the transcription of these microRNAs? Yeah, I don't believe so. Interesting. But um, that is an excellent question. I did not yeah. know microRNAs can come from the introns that are split. Yeah, they yeah. might. I actually don't even know like when that was first described, so it might not even been like available knowledge in 20, 2006. Um, again, like the microRNA field is kind of relatively new. They're still trying to fully understand how these things work. But mm -hmm. circling back to this giant cow, yes, um, it looks like he's considered to have this double muscling syndrome. Oh, interesting. Which is what they're saying. Myostatin loss of function can cause double muscling. So it is related. It's related. I don't know. I can't find if they've done sequencing on him to say it's the myostatin gene, or if there are other known genetic causes of double muscling right. syndrome. And so, maybe they, this cow just has a mutation in the gene itself, so it has yeah. just as like a non-functional. Yeah. Gene so product. it could be unrelated to this yeah. specific Texel. Um, allele. Yeah, but maybe but, in the process of people looking into myostatin, yeah, this yeah, one just popped exactly. up onto trending. And uh, um, oh, I, I should have said, I should have led with this, but honestly, like, when I think of any ungulate making noise, it's like clip clop, clip clop, right? <laughs> okay. Oh, God. The, the first author, this is, it, it, this is articles by Clop et al. That's amazing. I was like, that's definitely a sheep researcher if I ever heard of one. <laughs> Truly. That's so funny. So, in conclusion, they have this breed of very strong, excessively muscled sheep that um, is due to a illegitimate microRNA target site in a gene that normally stops muscle growth. Interesting. Yeah, so I think we both learned a little bit. Um, I definitely learned a lot about sheep today. Good old buddies, microRNA always. Uh, uh, my best friend, also <laughs> my worst enemy, but. <laughs> uh, gotta keep your friends close and your enemies, enemies closer. closer. For sure. Absolutely.